Hey, welcome to another episode of The Bobble Guys. My name is Rick Klein. I'm joined here, as always, with Jerry Hullinger. Jerry, we have just reached. Today is our last episode in our five-point series through the five points of Calvinism, or what's affectionately called the tulip. Uh, how you feeling about so far, how we've been doing this, Jerry? Yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I was eager to get to the P because of all of them that we've discussed. This one, in my opinion, is the most problematic, at least for me personally. Wow, you did that with problematic and personally, and it's the P. I did not even know that, and I hate alliteration. You are a Baptist pastor. (laughs) That's awesome. So we want to get right to it. When we talk about through this, let's just kind of do a recap for our listeners. We've talked about total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and today is the P for um, perseverance of the saints. And so we wanted to be fair, um, because I think as you listen to this podcast, you'll kind of see where Jerry and I both land um, and I think we land pretty much on the same page. We might have a little bit of a difference, but we're pretty much on the same. But we want to start by being charitable and giving the definition of perseverance of the saints. So I've got my copy of Grudem Systematic Theology. This is a big book. If you guys have it at home, I think the large print you can see from space. I was going to say, this is a massive tome, which yeah. is being redundant, I know, but just for emphasis. And is that the, do you have the updated version? Uh, man, I don't know. This is probably not uh, because so he he might write into the podcast and say that we we mis misquote him. Yeah, the uh, the updated version's even bigger. Is it really than that one? Oh my goodness, it's excellent. By the oh, way, yeah, we yeah I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the Grudem systematic theolo- theology, and there's a lot of good ones you listen to. I mean, a lot of good ones you read. Um, I think just having one on your shelf is you, you got to have a, a few different ones. You got to have some from different different traditions and see that. Yeah, and in deference to Grudem, I mean, when you write. A book that big, obviously nobody's going to agree with every yeah. sentence in it. So that's why we're still putting our imprimatur stamp on it. Yeah. But uh, it's excellent. You heard it here first, folks. If you're going to write a book, keep it small. Nobody can argue with it. That's right. All right. All right. So here's the definition that um, uh, Grudem puts in his Systematic Theology. This is on page 788 of this version I have, probably the older version, under chapter 40, which is titled The Perseverance of the Saints. Uh, He says this, The perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives, and that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. Man, a lot going on in there, and that's really loaded. I, I think I said a moment ago that the pea and tulip is one of the ones I have the most problem with. And I think usually when people think about the perseverance of the saints, they're thinking about the preservation of the saints mm-hmm. or eternal security. And I really believe that is not the point of the P. And that begins to come out in Grudem's statement. And so it's going to depend how he means that uh, with where we're going to you know, end up on this point. That's interesting you said that, that because I've heard that too. That oh wow, you you don't hold you don't believe in that. That's about eternal security. Yes. Um, well, no, I do believe in eternal security. And let's let's go ahead and say that out out on the air. We both would affirm that of an eternal security or yeah, eternal security of the believer. That there is no losing your salvation based on something here, based on a, a sin or, or whatever. We we would we would say absolutely. We we categorically deny that. We believe that you are eternally secure once you have placed your faith in Christ. Absolutely. Uh, I would affirm eternal security as well. 
And I've heard you say before, really what the basis of our eternal security is. Right. And so the base, the, I would say the basis of our eternal security is, is not our ability. It's not our work. It's what Christ has done. It's, it's again, the work of God we've talked about. It's God's faithfulness to, he, he has written in his word, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, it, it, clearly through scripture, we know what the gospel is. So by putting our faith in Christ, by trusting in the finished work of Christ, we have salvation. What we're doing is taking God at his word. So mm-hmm. I've used this illustration before that if I got, you know, you know that we tell the stories when you die, you go to heaven, God asks, why should I let you in? Those kind of stories, which we mm-hmm. don't believe happens, but let's say it does. And I get before the gates and God says, why should I let you in? My response is going to be because you said in your word that if I put my faith in what Christ has done, his death, burial, and resurrection in place, in my place on the cross, he rose again, securing my salvation. And if I have faith in him, I'll have eternal life. Yeah, and our security, therefore, rests in everything God has done. Right. And he has done it. We have done nothing. And I think that's the beauty of the Mm T-U-L-I. I can't do anything. God chose me. Christ paid my sin debt before God, and then the Spirit graciously drew me. So all of those are God's things. That's why we're eternally secure because it's God's work from beginning to end. Yeah, that's why. So, so let's say I gave that answer to God at the gate, and mm-hmm. if He said, "Well, what else you got?" Yeah, my only other response is, "Well, nothing." So, nothing. is hell this way? Because I, yeah. you know, that, that's all I got. Yeah. Um, because I'm taking you at your word. Right. Um, it's not trusting in my ability. I'm trusting in the faithfulness of God. So, I would I would still argue that even though we would affirm that, perseverance of the saints is a different animal mm-hmm. than the preservation of the saints. So let's talk a little bit about to our listeners about what is that difference and what's going on there. Yeah, I think the difference is, and um, again, I, I can't, I don't know Grudem personally, and <clears throat> it's been so long since I've read his systematic theology, I can't remember precisely how he argues. But really what the doctrine is saying is that true Christians will necessarily persevere in a pattern of good works throughout their Christian life. Now, those who hold the perseverance of the saints, they will acknowledge, of course, that Christians sin from time to time. They will also acknowledge that sometimes Christians will fall into very gross sins. So, yeah, that happens. But, and I choose my words very carefully here, they do say that a true Christian will necessarily persevere in a pattern of good works through their life. And as I listen to the Grudem definition, I really think this is implied, and um, in my opinion, we can go back through this. I I think this really goes back to Augustine. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Augustine, because all of us would say—I've heard people say that most people quote Augustine, but they've never read him. Yeah. So what does Augustine say about this topic on perseverance of the saints? Well, Augustine basically argued that when God saves you, when you're given salvation, involved in that package deal is this persevering grace. And since you have received that from God, then you will persevere um, because of that grace. And I have real issues with that. Uh, I don't think it's biblical, and it really smacks a lot of conceptually, at least, of what is going on in Roman Catholicism. 
I would agree with you. I, I don't believe it's biblical. Biblical. I think it's an, an add-on. Um, and I think it has some drastic... So, for example, I think, honestly, we have this idea, and I think maybe nobody's ever taught us that, but we might be Augustinian by nature because of our ability. We think, and this is how we are as Christians, um, and we get it all the time, me working with young people, the question I get a lot is, man, how can I be saved if I did that? Right. And so the argument is almost Augustinian. Like, well, wait a minute. If I'm a Christian, aren't I supposed to have this ability to to do right or to to persevere? And I have to tell them, it's like, listen, number one, you've been declared righteous. You you haven't been made righteous yet. Um, that's why I like the the translations, like specifically the NET and the HCSB, and I think the CSB does it, where they say you've been declared righteous by faith. They say yeah. it that way. I think the the in the NLT, which I like, says the phrase we've been made right with God, which I get it, but it's, yeah, a little slippery on that. Yeah, it's a little slippery because yeah. we've been declared to be righteous, right. not made righteous. Right. Um, that's why we still sin. Uh, I think Luther said, you know, we're we're the we're between the the idea we're we're sim- we're at the same time. A saint and a sinner. We're a we're a half angel, half beast. He talks about the chimera, and so because we are declared righteous before God, yet we are not made righteous. That doesn't come until His return, um, when we are glorified. When we are the sin, the sinfulness, the the stain of sin is removed from us. When we we are glorified, so I try to tell my students, hey, the fact that you're worried, that's a good sign. If you had no guilt, no conviction of the Spirit leading you to think, how can I be a Christian and have done that? That's when I get nervous, mm-hmm. if, if, it, if it doesn't bother you at all. But the fact that it's bothering you is a good sign. Yeah. Um, an illustration that's often used by those who hold perseverance, which I think kind of helps show what they're saying, is they'll always offer a contrast between um, Peter and Judas. Mm. So here you have two individuals who apparently are saved to use that terminology, both fall into sin, which true Christians do, what happens? Peter repents and comes back and has his relationship restored with Christ. Judas doesn't, and he just goes the other way. So it would be argued that there are people who profess to be saved, they fall away, and that therefore shows, well, they didn't persevere, did they? And the fact that they didn't, that shows they were never saved in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I get the illustration, but I, I, don't, I just simply don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that perseverance is a necessary sign of salvation. It should be there. It's healthy to be there, but I don't think it's necessarily always going to be there. And some of our listeners might be hearing that and go, well, wait a minute, guys. You're the Bible guys. Doesn't First John say talking about the false teachers, they went out from us, but they were never of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us, but they went away from us to show that they were never with us. There's a lot of good prepositions in there, that passage. And I would answer, yes, that's what that passage is saying. However, we are talking about false teachers in that passage. We're not talking universally there. Um, And so I think that's a popular verse now, or popular passage, especially in our era of what's called deconstructionism. You have a lot of people deconstructing their faith and saying, well, I'm just, I'm no longer, Mm -hmm. or they're they're not saying I'm no longer Christian. They just say I no longer affiliate or no longer claim the name. I no longer, I've even heard identify as a Christian. Um, 
and people are saying, well, they were never Christians to begin with because they fell away based on that First John passage. Yeah, and we're not saying that can't happen. Right. A lot of people who apostatize may not have been saved, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. but, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they weren't saved. So John is simply saying in that instance, yes, in this particular assembly in Ephesus, some false, as you point out, some false teachers left us. Well, that was a demonstration they weren't saved. And there are other passages that are used. And I, I'm going to make a bold statement here, Rick. And, All right. And I, I challenge anybody out there to try to rebut my statement by asking us to go over a passage. But I have gone through every passage that is used for perseverance and I will boldly say that I don't think those passages are teaching this particular doctrine. And I'll just throw a few out there. Uh, Jesus in the Olivet Discourse says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, in First John, you already mentioned John, he'll also talk about uh, verses to the uh, idea, anyone who is born of God does not sin and they will point out that this is a present tense verb, and and I think some of the translations even have it now. He who is born of God does not continually sin or make a practice of sinning. Uh, What are some other passages? Hebrews, Mm -hmm. the the warning passage in Hebrews 6, which actually begins in Hebrews 5, if we're challenged on this one, um, talking about those who fall away, and that will all be interpreted many times as meaning that, oh, these people simply professed to be saved. They fall, fell away because they weren't really saved. So those are a lot of the kinds of passages that will be used. And the fun part about us being in season three is we've already done podcast episodes about pretty much all those you just mentioned. Who did we? I, I don't even remember. I believe nice. we, we mentioned the first John passage in one we talked about deconstructing. We've mentioned the Hebrews passage when we talked about the um, the falling away. What is that talking about? Okay. So if you're listening to this and you throw in that question, don't be that guy and you submit a question that we've already answered because we will send a snarky response back. Thanks for being a fan. Go back and look at previous, That's right. previous <laughs> episodes. But you're right. Uh, I would agree with you 100% on that, that I don't believe those passages are teaching the perseverance of the saints that is taught by most people who would hold to this part. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of the big dangers of, of the perseverance view is it really wreaks havoc with assurance and you've already mentioned this with people that have asked you, man, I committed this sin, what does that mean? Well, if we're looking to our good works as the basis of our assurance, you know, theoretically you could say, I will never be assured of my salvation until the day I die. I mean, what happens if in 10 years from now I fall into a pattern of sinning? Does that mean I was never saved? Um, By the way, that's, the, that's like the primitive Baptist viewpoint. Ah. My grandmother grew up primitive Baptist and stayed that way all her life. And she had faith in Christ. We had conversations about what she believed about who Jesus was, but she would always say, we don't know. You don't know till you get there. You're, you may not have been enough. Good works may not have been enough. And my grandmother lived her life in fear right. of that. However, I believe when she closed her eyes in death, and I believe when she opened up, when her eyes were opened again, she was with Christ because, not because of what she thought, she was she thought wrong, yeah. but she had the gospel. She knew that it was by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but she had right. just been added on to by a f- some false teachers in her denomination. 
Yeah, and that what a sad way to live. I've even heard, and I'm not going to mention the name because, you know, this is an extremely prominent, well-respected individual, but I've heard him express, you know, man, I just don't know yet because of what might happen in the future. And, um, you know, there are other difficulties with this. Who defines how long is a pattern? Um who defines what the sin are, sin is? I mean, sometimes we're just thinking in terms of outward sin. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy's living immorally, you know, year after year after year. What about these th- sins in my mind? Yeah. What if I'm perpetually lusting year after year after year? And does, you just can't see it. Yeah. Does that mean I'm not saved? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just again wreaks havoc with assurance. Um, I do think that good works can bolster my assurance. But that's not the necessary basis of my assurance. As you've eloquently stated, it's the finished work of Christ and the free gift that God has given to me. Yeah, sometimes I think we can diverge into a scarlet letter theology that we have. Oh, mm. this is the big thing this decade. You know, it was like, if you've done this, if you, if you, you know, in the 1950s, if you, you know, like the communism stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's like now it's, you know, it used to be, oh, you've been divorced. Oh, uh-huh. well. Or you've committed adultery in your past. Oh, or just different things like that. Or now in our current day and age, um, it, it could be something totally different. Um, I think sometimes we have to. We, if we're not careful, we can elevate a sin. And by the way, we're not on here on the episode going these things are okay. Don't, yes, just, we're <laughs> thank saying, you for saying that. We're saying they're sins, but we're not saying they're they're not deal breaker sins. They're not. God's not up there going up in heaven going. Okay, we're done. That was too much. Mm-hmm. There's that's the beauty of the gospel. That's there's there's nothing, there's nothing, um, because of the finished work of Christ. Now that doesn't make us. I want to go ahead and throw this in there too. We're not also Nicolaitans who, in the Book of Revelation, said, "Well, since God has covered everything, well, why not keep sinning?" And it's kind of a blank check. Yes. No, we're not saying that at all. Um, we we believe that a believer will now have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Um, prompting them to, from God's Word, to the change will be made. We're, we're just saying that we want to be careful that we don't, we don't think there's one, there's a deal breaker, because mm-hmm. there's not. Um, but again, I want to make sure we say those statements before we get any kind of uh, email responses. I'm really glad you said that, because, um, you know, every doctrine can be abused. Just because a doctrine is abused doesn't mean the doctrine is false. Correct. Um Something else that, that came to mind in terms of these passages, when it comes to good works in the Christian life, if we look at the passages which talk about good works, and many of these in perseverance, the point is not that you're, you're saved by persevering or your perseverance shows necessarily you are saved. But a lot of times in these passages, perseverance, which is urged on us, we're not Obviously, we need to persevere, but it's persevering in terms of uh, reward that God will give us in the eschaton. It may be perseverance to show our love for God. It may be perseverance to simply live the way we're supposed to as believers. So there are different reasons the Bible talks about perseverance. I'm just asserting, and I think we both are, that this is not a means of salvation, and it isn't always a necessary uh, sign of it either. Right. So I think we were talking about, we've talked about this before. 
I don't like the term perseverance. I would prefer, there's another P word, I would prefer to use preservation, that we mm-hmm. are preserved by God. Yes. It's his work, not mine. Even just as much as my salvation was the work of God through faith in Christ, my preservation is the work of God um, through my faith in Christ, like the faith that I had, the faith that I have in Christ. So the fact that, you know, that we have the Jude passage, that says we are called, beloved, and kept for Christ Jesus. That's a very important word. That's a passive. It's not something we're doing. We're not keeping ourselves. We are being kept. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that in Scripture prominently in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We see passages like that with, you know, he who began a good work will complete it yes. until the day of Christ Jesus. He is the pioneer and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, we see that in Scripture. So when I when I look at the New Testament as a whole and see the teachings of Scripture, I see more of a, I'm safe, not based on my ability, not based on my perseverance, but based on the the steadfast love, you know, that, that Hebrew word hesed, mm. that never stopping, never quitting, never giving up, forever kind of love, the faithful love of God that he poured out on us in Christ. Speaking of word preference, okay, you prefer um, preservation. I have come to despise the word victory. Okay, that has just tormented me. You know, I grew up and as a young boy singing "Victory in Jesus." Wait, did I say victory in my definition? You did not, sir. Okay, good. I'm hoping. I was like, all right, I'm going to offend Jerry on the air. I'm going to try to bring this word "victory" back here. Okay, gotcha. As far as the uh, this whole problem. So as as I got older, I began thinking more and more, I don't have victory over a lot of things, and I began equating victory over all of my sins and, and everything with, with my salvation. And then I'm wondering if I'm saved, what am I doing wrong? So I finally came to the realization, and thank the Lord for the great John Owen and his, his work on, on the mortification of sin— you begin to realize that the Christian life, a, a part of it is constantly killing and weakening sin. There's never a point at which I can say, I've got victory over this. And I remember years ago, there was something I was really battling, and I naively, well, more than years ago, this is like when I was in my teens, late teens, I thought naively I had victory over something. And man, it came back and just ambushed me. And I began to realize then that the Christian life is fighting and weakening sin our entire life. And, you know, I I wish I were a mathematician. I could come up with, you know, how many times do we sin daily as Christians? How many times hourly? I mean, if you start multiplying that over a year, I wouldn't say that's persevering in a pattern of, of non, non-sinning. So, you know, that's just the nature of the Christian life. We cling to the cross and the atonement by God's grace. That's what we're resting in. And as a, as a counselor, I'm going to step in on that too, because I think this, that what you just said and this doctrine of the preservation is important in the counseling room because so many times you hear, I'll, hear, I'll tell, you, you'll hear people saying, I just want victory over this. And it really takes the wind out of their sails. I'm saying, well, what if this, I can't say victory, but you're going to walk wounded, but you're going to walk, you're walking. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not you're not destroyed. You're wounded, but you're walking wounded. That's what this Christian life is. We're always we're walking wounded until the day when the healer of our wounds yeah. heals them. But in this meantime, we're walking with that. We can't we can't have so for example. We could easily say to somebody, well, what about the person struggling with pornography? You can have victory. So victory for them would be, I haven't looked at pornography in 25 to 30 years. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But you could tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to always be on guard. Yep. I can't say that to a, a victim of abuse. You could have victory over your past. No, they're, they're always going to carry that. So I prefer to use the term that, that we have an advocate. We have the helper who is with us. And our job, or I guess you say, in our life, we learn biblical coping with this, with the issues of this world, with the things that we struggle with, and we walk wounded. Mm-hmm. We're careful. We're careful. So, like, for example, the guy who's been, hadn't looked at pornography in 30 years, you still put the internet blocker up. Still be careful. Still watch yourselves, because you don't, you don't know when, because it's, it's there, and it's always there, ready to creep up. Yeah, and, and I'm, I am not saying, and, and I know you weren't implying this, but Mm -hmm. I am not saying that we walk around perpetually morose, that we're, you know, just these poor victims. I mean, God has provided means of grace for us. The question is, we have to, will we decide to take advantage of them? Mm -hmm. And the more we do, we, you know, we can build patterns of, of lifestyle that are pleasing to God. But, um, you know, the difference in what I'm saying is the perseverance people would say, yes, the true Christian consistently takes advantage of those means of grace, and that's always the pattern of his life. So I'm saying not necessarily, and there may be long times when I, I do deviate, and who knows, maybe when I'm deviating, I'll die, and I hadn't persevered to the end. Well, see, and as we're talking about this, I, I go to Colossians. Right now we're going through Colossians in our, in our youth group. And we talked about this passage, Colossians 1, verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and in your love or the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring up or the spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So so right there, what, what is the, what are these preserving activities, your faith and your love for all other, for other believers? Okay, but where does it come from? It comes from the hope that you have in heaven, not in the not in your ability to keep it, but rather what God has already done for you. That motivates you to do the things you do. Your love for people, your service of God is motivated out of the hope you have that's already been done for you. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's laid up for you in heaven. So that motivates our feet. That motivates our heart and our hands. Not we do these things to show us, to show people that we are persevering, but rather we're doing these things because we've been preserved and it's a done deal. Mm-hmm. And I, it also shows the importance of discipling people. You know, I've known people that were saved maybe back in the old days when we went door to door and shared the gospel, people might've been saved. They, they had no discipleship. They weren't plugged into a church and you look at them today and from a perseverance grid, you say, man, they were never saved in the first place. Well, they never had any guidance or training. Uh, they didn't know how to live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get into things like that, and uh, so we really need to help each other. Um, so not only personally do we take advantage of, of God's grace in various ways, but we need to help each other uh, to do the same thing. So I think as we finish up this this episode in this series, what I'm seeing here is there are things about 
all of these points that we would agree to. But as I've, I think we said at the outset, we always want to ask, what do you mean by that term? Yes, very wise. So when somebody says, well, you, do you hold to the tulip? Like, well, what do you mean by it? And let's walk through it. I hope our listeners, hope you guys have been uh, challenged by these. And I'm sure that some of you may differ from us. Some of you guys may have, hopefully maybe change your stance. That's great, too. Um, again, we, we want to do this in charity. We, we understand that not everybody's going to agree with our conclusions, um, but that doesn't make us enemies. So sometimes we'd like to label and, and be careful. We, we put people in labels and put people in different camps. We, will, we always, more than anything else, we want to be biblicist. What does Scripture say on these topics? And where Scripture speaks, we speak. And that's what we want to talk about. Hope you've enjoyed this series. Again, if you've got questions, we've got some questions from our listeners coming up in the next couple of episodes. Uh, if you've got a question, you can email us at bibleguyspodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram and our Twitter at the username bibleguyspod. For Jerry Hollinger, I'm Rick Leonard. We'll see you next time.